At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Whenever I'm out and about, I connect with so many parents and children who watch this show together. And invariably, they want stocks that appeal to the kids. After a solid day, the Dow gained 115 points, S&P advanced 0.94%, and the Nasdaq jumped 1.51%. Bye, bye, bye! Once again, because of hopes for a budget deal and continued buying in artificial intelligence-related techs, I want to talk about picking stocks for your children. When I meet you in person, whether it be at TJX or Target on Wall Street or one of my wife's Mezcal bottle signs, the parents love to talk about the stocks we own for the Chapel Trust. Invariably, it's NVIDIA and Apple. They come up first. So do Amazon, Eli Lilly, even Caterpillar, Salesforce. They sate the parents. But the kids, the kids want more. They want their own set of companies, not their parents' funny-duddy ones. Stocks that are newer and admittedly more risky. I don't shy away from that because I know younger people have their whole lives ahead to make back any near-term losses. Normally, we don't spend a lot of time focusing on these higher-risk names here on Mad Money, but tonight, I'm breaking form. I'm going to give you the father, daughter, mother, son list you've craved for. The stocks that might turn out to be huge eventually, assuming they turn out to be anything at all. Almost all of them are young, what we used to call junior growth names. So they won't be the Netflixes or the Teslas or the Metas. The ones I'm talking about tonight are higher risk and potentially much, much higher reward, at least from these levels. So let's get right to it. We're going to start with a company we actually have on the show tonight, Celsius, which makes the most successful energy drink of this generation. Celsius just put up record sales for the first quarter, up 95% year over year. More important, just versus the previous quarter, their sales were up 46%. That's almost inconceivable. I think Celsius could be the next monster beverage, which is a huge success. And PepsiCo has taken an 8.5% stake in the company with an opportunity to buy more via a somewhat complicated formula. That's the kind of pedigree we're looking for here on Mad Money. Celsius could be the great non-tech growth company for the ages. Second, and in no particular order, is on holding. That's the fastest growing sneaker company in the world. This Swiss company, backed by Roger Federer, just reported a 78% increase in revenue. Younger investors should worry far more 
about revenue growth and earnings per share. And this company crushed the consensus revenue estimates. It seems like every other person is wearing these darn things, right? Only on sneakers, you see them on people's feet. So no wonder it had a 92% growth in the Americas. Hard to beat. It only sold off when it reported this week because the stocks had a parabolic run. But after this pullback, I think you're getting a great chance to buy it. When? How about tomorrow? Third, Exponential Fitness is a terrific little company that uses a franchise strategy to offer the highest-end boutique gym operations like the insanely popular Club Pilates, a, a cycle bar, rumble, yoga six, stretch lab, pure bar, revenue growth, 40%, much better than expected. 20% same-store sales numbers, incredible. No losses from COVID, no stores closed. A multi-year growth path with excellent economics. I was really drawn to the story when we met them last week. In the, if the economics of franchising intrigues you, as it does me, then you might want to buy some Wingstop. This company's a beaten race machine that always dangles a special dividend because they just make so much darn money. Lately, Wingstop's gone real upscale, driven by universal thirst for chicken wings, fueled by their Uber Eats delivery contract and a new chicken sandwich that's wow in the street. You might think you've seen these places everywhere, but in terms of expansion, I think they've barely scratched the surface. I love regional to national stories. And we have one that's temporarily lost its way, which means you might be getting a good buying opportunity. I'm talking about Dutch Bros. That's B-R-O-S. Yes, that's the super caffeinated Oregon coffee chain store that's putting down roots all over the country. Sometimes I worry that Dutch Bros is growing too fast, expanding too much. It just moved into Texas hard. It's making so much money. It's coming into the east. But you know what? It, it, It has not made the quarter. And that's caused them to take the eye off the ball. This is growth that is happening way too quickly. But you know what? I think they're course correct. I had my first Dutch Bros nearly a decade ago when my daughter was living in Ashland, Oregon. They called it the Annihilator. Downed it on Saturday morning. Didn't sleep till Sunday night. My kind of elixir. Number six, gambling's been a sucker's game all the way around, right? Except for DraftKings, which has come to dominate the online sportsbook industry practically overnight. DraftKings just put up some dynamite numbers, and we're not even in football season when they shine. CEO Jason Robbins runs a tight ship that's no longer hostage to approvals from state regulators. That hasn't out of trades anymore. I like the sportsbook, the casino gaming software business, but it's the daily fantasy bets that keep the juices going. DraftKings about to explode. Next, you know we love Estee Lauder for the investing club, but the other day at our club meeting, we admitted painfully that Elf, yes, Elf, the prosaic eyes, lips, and face had bested our Lauder of late. Who would have thought that knockoff cosmetics made mainly in China would be so darn successful? The price is low, the outlet's great, the magic's superb. Elf is the comer in the category. What else? Now, we know work from home was supposed to be done already. Now, I am certainly sick of hearing about it. Then again, I wish I could come to the office on Saturday and Sunday. So maybe I'm an outlier. 
especially among the work-from-home gold-brickers who survive on Logitech's equipment. People who work at home need high-quality Zoomware. Logitech has that, too. Speaking of remote work, I think people really play video games at home when they claim to be working. No wonder Take-Two Interactive knocked it out of the park last night. Logitech also has all sorts of gaming equipment, along with other hybrid accoutrements that I sure hope I never have to find out about. For the record, I like to wear Brioni suits on weekends, even gardening them. I do listen to music with Logitech instead of earbuds, though. Ninth, when I first heard of Five Below... I figured it was a super REI, a place where you could get all the goods you needed to climb Mount Everest. Nope, it mainly sells kids' toys with super hyper uh, connections to whatever kids are watching right now. That velocity in the market distinguishes Five Below from all the other toy stores, and its consistency is totally in totally faddish business. It's awesome. Never seems to miss. Finally, forgive me. I have to do this. I have no choice. I have to include one senior growth stock in the mix, but I, I, I can't resist Lululemon Athletica, simply because I believe this isn't an apparel company at all. It's a lifestyle choice, and people are choosing it all over the world. Lulu used to miss numbers almost every other quarter, uh, but now under CEO Calvin McDonald. The company generates good numbers so consistently that it deserves to trade at a higher level than its alleged peers. Yes, its market cap is equal to many of the other higher-risk, child-friendly names that I've got here on this wall together. But I will say this. There are few companies where parents and kids would shop together and maybe buy the stock together than this one. Bottom line. Now you have your 10 companies for the future. No, not artificial intelligence, darlings. I cover them all the time. Not graphics chips. Who brought you those first? Just plain old fast growers that are easily accessible to the younger generation. Enjoy. We'll have more over time. But if for me, I take whatever I had left from bussing tables when I was younger and put it to work in some of these horses. Bye, bye, bye. Let's take calls. Let's go to Brent in Michigan. Brent. Jimmy Chill. Brent was the only shaking. thing better and more colorful than the maize and blue of Michigan's football is the big house of greenbacks that you help us earn. That's I like that. Number. I like that. That's very spirited to start the show. What's happening? For that, I thank you. I've got a question about one of our club stocks. You know, 2013 to 21, it shot up like a rocket. It's falling to earth right now. Another 5% last week. BlackRock just took it out of their medical devices, EFT. Almost 100% insider selling with no buying. What is going on with Danaher? Is it time to punt it and hand the ball off to GE Healthcare? Our viewers are so smart. And boy, do I like that GE Healthcare that Jeff Marks introduced yesterday in the, at the club meeting. Okay, Danaher is the story. Yes, the growth did slow. Why? Because their customers are biotech companies and they've not been able to raise capital in the IPO market or in the secondary market. But I will tell you this. I think Danaher has bought them. We just bought some. I think the stock has come down. Here's the stock. These guys are an unbelievably well-run company and it's down 90 points. Forget it. It's time to buy, not sell. I'm not capitulating. Danaher. Yannick in New York. Yannick. Jimmy Chill, coming at you from Upper West and NYC. Thanks for taking my call. Glad to have you on the show. What's going on? All right. With all the uncertainty surrounding the commercial real estate market, I'm wondering how this proven leader will hold up. Buy, sell, or hold, Simon Property Group. David Simon is a winner. 
He's unbelievable. He's done so many things to make his stores great. Everybody's quitting on him. But let's make it be known, David Simon, who, by the way, is not that nice a guy. I just put it out there that I think he's going to come through and come through swimmingly. And boy, does he ever pay the distributions. Simon Property Group, that one is for me. There's a whole class of young investors out there looking for up-and-coming companies that they can put their money into. And while they might come up with some that have a lot of risk, I just gave you 10 stocks that I laid out that could fit the bill for someone aiming to get huge rewards out of their portfolio over the long term. Well, man, money tonight. Speaking of fast growers that are accessible to all, guess what I just said was number one? Celsius. And they've made it to the way to many fridges, including mine. So could the supercharged growth continue? I'm checking in with the CEO. Then we've been tracking the latest in the debt ceiling impasse, but while we wait for a deal, could opportunities still be had in this tape? I'm tracking which way the market could be headed by consulting the technicals. And negative sentiment has been dragging biotech lower. But tonight I'm eyeing one name up a whopping 500% in the past six months that you put on my radar screen and I think could still be worth buying. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some of my favorite stocks that just don't quit. Take Celsius Holdings. That's the energy drink maker, which has seen its share price. You're not going to believe this. Soar from the low single digits in the early 2020 to 133 as of today. You know what that is? That's an astonishing 483% gain since we spoke to the CEO back in October of 2020. How's your index fund doing versus that? Now, this thing been bouncing between 80 and the low hundreds until early last week when Celsius reported just a, a, a magnificent quarter. The company earned 40 cents per share. Wall Street was only looking for half of that, which is why the stock jumped 20, nearly 20% in a single session. All right, how did they pull that off? Last August, Celsius cut a distribution deal with PepsiCo, and that's now paying off in a major way. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with John Feely. Now, John, I, I don't know if you remember, he's the chairman and CEO of Celsius. When he came on the first time, a lot of people were skeptical. We were not. John, welcome back to Mad Money. Glad to be here, Jim. Okay, so tell me what it means to be hyper-paranoid and win that way. Got to be hyper-paranoid. It is, you know, it's critical. It's, uh, we're in the energy category, highly competitive, right? right? You're always going to be outmaneuvered. we got to outmaneuver and out-execute. That's what it's all about. Now, when, when I first saw you, I thought it was a gym drink. 
And then I thought it was a convenience store drink. Then I thought when I was in Florida, and you know that because your team came to see me, I thought it was a Publix drink. Then a cro- you're in every drink, aren't you? We- we are. I think when we came on last time, we were talking about going after energy. Right. That was a huge opportunity. It's a major, major category. When we look at it today, especially after the partnership with Pepsi, right. we're seeing usage occasions expand. So we're going after total beverage here. Okay, tell me about uh, Raymond LaGuardia, the Pepsi group. And the reason I say this is because if you're on the truck, so to speak, you're golden. You guys are on the truck. We're on the truck, and since October, we've gained over 81% increase in our distribution. So pretty much find us everywhere as of now. So. Amazing. Grab a Celsius. You're crushing it on Amazon, too. Amazon, and that's the opportunity, right? Because that's the store where everyone shops at, around the nation, everywhere. If you can win on Amazon, we feel we can win everywhere. So we're excited. All right, so tell us about the advantages. Uh, So people, because it's about to be the summer, and they're going to reach, a lot of people are going to reach for Celsius the first time. What are the advantages over, say, a five-hour energy drink or a triple vente cappuccino? Why do people like yours more? Uh, Well, first, hands down, it's all about the flavor. We have great flavors. For summer, I'm drinking an Oasis vibe right now. We just launched it with with. we launched it with Target. Great success. With Target. Out. Yeah, Congratulations. all over. Congratulations. With Target. Flavor's great. And it, we just did a huge campaign at Coachella, uh, one of the hottest events, as we know, that takes place. Great flavor, ready for summer. Now, you are a little different. You do a conference call. I'm, you know, I'm on these conference calls. You are very clipped. You have a story. You don't waste anybody's time. You are not like most of the CEOs we see. Is it because you're a believer in the product? Is it because you are a no-nonsense guy? And the only reason I ask this is because I find a pure joy to listen to you and see what you do. Most people are too circumspect. You get right to the point. Listen, you got to get right to the point. We're here to win. Uh, you know, we say it as it is. We're extremely confident in what we're doing. We just put up $1 billion in retail sales in the last 52 weeks. The brand is doing extremely well. We're really confident. We're excited where we're going. And on the conference call, I'll just say it how it is. Right, but you never slam the competition. I mean, there's a moment in a really good interview, by the way, with Goldman Sachs, with, uh, it, where you actually say that, look, we are, you know, we look at the brands we source from, and I love that term, Red Bull and Monster, but you don't knock them. You regard them as worthy competitors. Great brands. They're still growing. They're dominating the category. They own 70% of the share. So uh, they're great brands. There's a lot of room there. We're a strong number three now and growing, which is really exciting. And that's where, that's amazing. You know, since we've been, that's the opportunity. Where were you when I first saw you? I mean, were you were not even, you were just in a, a regional, small we were at, When we first got together, I think we were just scratching the surface around a half a share, uh, one share point. Right. So very small in the category. Now we're a solid number three. All right. So when you're having people over, you've got these cans. I want a 16-ouncer. Can you get me that? Coming soon. <laughs> So what is that going to be? Is that going to be, you know, there are people who like to, I'm a pure, pure drinker, but there are people who like to mix it up a little, make a bit of a summer cocktail out of Celsius. Well, we got a lot of things, especially here in New York, taking place out in the Hamptons at Palm Festival. And we'll have a bunch of mocktails out there that incorporate Celsius. So a lot of things to cool off, get ready for the summer and have a lot of fun. Most importantly, it's all about Celsius living fit. Now, I want to explain to some people, and you're going to do it for me. There are people who say, Jim, you have one of those and you're flying. It's like crazy. You don't the truth is, is it does have a lot of caffeine, but it's not like an annihilator from Dutch Bros. I mean, it's a pretty solid picker up, but it's natural. It's not some sort of crazy thing. 
No, we hear that, you know, one thing we hear, great flavor and then no crash and no jitters. So that's really right. how the product's right. built. No sugar, no aspartame, no high fructose corn syrup. Really seven essential vitamins as well, which truly differentiates us in the category. The brand is solid, the ingredients are solid. Uh, we take great pride in the quality of our product. Now, I don't want to bore you, but on Wall Street, we actually care about raw costs. The can prices have come down. You're actually doing, you're making it for less. We are. We went through the can pandemic back during uh, the pandemic. But, we started importing cans. Now we're sourcing everything locally. We had a little bit of inefficiencies in the first quarter due to shipping outside and shipping costs, but we think we can get those optimized over the next several quarters, so add okay. some increased margin. Okay, so Toby, to, uh, Toby David has been saying that a lot of this is the brilliance of TikTok. And I have to tell you, I think your social media is about as progressive as I've ever seen. How much of it is curated? How much of it is just, heck, that worked? It's all homegrown at Celsius. So uh, the team does an amazing job. We got the best team in the business. Uh, social media, got to own the phone. We do it at the air out there. Check out our TikTok. The team does a great job. Instacart, Snap, uh, and uh, on IG as well. So a lot of great stuff. And then uh, finally, international. Because my, you know, look, I know the Red Bull's big overseas. I want to see you be a, a, can you ever be a Premier League team? I and mean, what could happen with your brand? Well, that's the huge unlock, right? With right? Pepsi and the opportunity. So they're in 126 markets. Right now, we have about a 10 share in Sweden. So we have distribution in the Nordics and Finland. We also have distribution in South Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and several other markets. So, but we're just laying seeds right now, and that's the huge unlock in the future for us. But the U.S. is on fire. Uh, like I said, number three brand, a lot of opportunity here. We need to win in the U.S. and continue to grow internationally. Well, I, wanna, I, I feel very honored that you've come back. When you first came on, I just said, this guy's for real, and the stuff is for real, and the drink is for real. I had no idea you could take it where you could take it, but that's because you are no nonsense. Since you're tough and your team is fantastic. That's John Field. He's the CEO of Celsius Holdings, C-E-L-H. And I am a believer, as you know, from the top of the show. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, take a ride off the charts and on to Tesla's open road. Why Elon Musk may soon be smiling. Next. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. searching for potential winners, especially in moments like this, where you might get a terrific buying opportunity the next time we hear about discouraging news about the debt ceiling negotiations, something that's almost a given since they love pointless drama down there in Washington, don't they? I'd still call that a high-quality problem, given that there were no negotiations to speak of just a couple of days ago. Right now, we're in a tricky moment, because if you want to know where the market's headed, 
you need to be able to game Washington in a high-pressure situa- situation that's it's inherently unpredictable, right? At the same time, you've also got to game the Federal Reserve. Will they really pause the rate hikes at next month's meeting, or will they insist on lowering the boom on us again? As we heard from several Fed heads in the last 24 hours, so... At times like these, you know what I like to do? I take a step back because it's hard for anybody to make an objective assessment of political issues. We all have our biases with this stuff. So it's tougher to analyze and say something nonpartisan like Procter & Gamble's gross margins. By the way, we own Procter for the Travel Trust, and it got bruised again today. You know what I think? Bye, bye, bye! Sometimes you need to take your own subjective feelings out of the equation by consulting the technicians and the technicals. And that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Larry Williams. He's the legendary technician and marketist who's been the top expert in the space since before I could drive. Larry's written over a dozen books and created a host of his own proprietary technical indicators, which you can find on his website, IReallyTrade.com. You ought to go. It's fantastic. Plus, he's only getting better with age, as his recent track record's incredible. This is the guy who called the COVID bottom in the spring of 2020 when Wall Street was ready to jump out of the windows, okay? Uh, He called the big January rally at the beginning of this year. He realized the Nasdaq was ready and nailed the Netflix move, which, by the way, rallied 31 points today. So what does Williams, who's so red hot, see right now? Well, you know what? He is actually feeling quite bullish about the broader market. But before that, let's talk about one stock that he likes in particular and that David Faber will certainly want to listen to. Yes, take a look at the weekly chart of none other than Tesla. At Tuesday's annual meeting, Elon Musk warned that the next 12 months will be challenging for Tesla thanks to worldwide economic weakness. Williams doesn't dispute that the next year might be difficult for the company, but he feels a lot more constructive about Tesla's stock. Remember, they are two different things at times. I don't think Larry would argue with Musk about electric vehicles or or rocket science. Stocks are another issue, though. And right now, he thinks Tesla's got an awful lot going for it. Now, let's go to these charts. Williams is always looking at the past action in any given stock to identify cycles that seem to repeat themselves over and over again, which they do. And Tesla sees both a long-term cycle and an intermediate-term cycle. You can see the longer-term cycle. That's the one in blue. This is a 42-month cycle. Tesla's major highs and lows have all pretty much stuck to this pattern ever since the stock began trading. Why does it matter? Okay, because right now the long-term cycle's looking pretty darn good. It bottomed near the end of last year, which is when the stock stopped going lower, right? And if history's any guide, this pattern says Tesla can keep rallying through the second quarter of next year. Rather than worrying about the next 12 months, Williams recommends buying the dips, although you might want to lighten up on your position into any of the big rallies. But look at this. You see where this is headed. Williams was so right on Netflix. This is the same kind of feel that I got about that call they made on Netflix. Now, speaking of big rallies, he says Tesla's due for one right now, right here, because there's another cycle that matters, the intermediate term cycle, and that's in red. According to Williams, when Tesla gets to this phase in the cycle, historically it's rallied 80% of the time from right about now through early September. 80%, I will take that. I can't tell you why these cycles seem to repeat themselves. I can't explain why they often lead to successful trades. I can only point you to Larry's amazing data because you can't argue with that kind of track record and you can't argue with his data. Now, check out this weekly chart of Tesla with Williams' proprietary indicator at the bottom that measures hedge fund and mutual fund buying. This is the other reason he's feeling positive on Tesla. 
These money managers have an excellent track record of buying the stock right before rallies. In other words, they're not contrary. They're actually correct. Over the last four weeks, they have been buying Tesla stock aggressively. That suggests the stock's getting ready for a big move higher. How about the daily chart with the same institutional money manager indicator at the bottom? You can see that even when Tesla's price has declined, the blue line, which shows professional accumulation, didn't go down. Nice. Money managers stuck with this one on weakness, and they tend to buy it right before strength. Plus, it doesn't hurt that Williams says the seasonal pattern is on Tesla's side right now, too. Okay. We've now exhausted all the great news about Tesla you could have this week, haven't we? Well, I think this is the best of all if you're a stock guy. But let's see about the broader stock market. Right now, Williams is feeling darn good about the stocks for one simple reason. For over a year, inflation's been our number one worry. And right now, inflation, despite what you hear, despite what you see, is actually vanishing almost as quickly as it came. Here's a really important indicator nobody talks about. This is the New York Fed's underlying inflation gauge, which is very much headed in the right direction. Wouldn't you say? This tells Williams that the Fed will soon back off on its rate hikes. Maybe it takes one more meeting, but it likely won't be more than that. Now, I know this is contrary to a lot of the tough chatter you heard in the last 24 hours from various Fed leaders. But you know what? I'm not going with them. I'm going with Williams. Next, take a gander at the weekly chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average with Larry's long-term stock market cycle shown here in red. Right now, the long-term cycle is pretty darn bullish. We see that. William says this cycle has been a reliable predictor of stock prices for over a century, and he doesn't think it's going to fail us this time. At the same time, the intermediate-term cycle in blue suggests we could have a nice run at least through mid-July. How about that? Another one you'll take, right? Although it also breaks a pullback from mid-July through September. But you know what? In the interim, you'll be in clover. Finally, check out the daily chart of the S&P 500 futures in black with a proprietary metric from Williams in blue. We often use the advanced decline line to measure the strength of a given move. This indicator does something similar. Williams likes to measure accumulation in futures contracts by combining volume, open interest, and price accumulation into this one line called the Williams POIV which gives you a better read on the strength of the market. Whenever the POIV is trending lower, then it breaks out above its trend line. After that period, that tends to set up for a very nice rally right there. That's what he's talking about. This moment, okay? That's exactly what happened in the POIV not that long ago. Still one more reason to expect a rally here. Bottom line, despite all the hand-wringing about this moment, the charts, as interpreted by the legendary Larry Williams, suggest that the broader market's headed higher, and in particular, by the way, Tesla stock, could have a really, really nice run. Bye, bye, bye. Zach in Minnesota, Zach. Explain yourself, Kramer. You got me all fired up over American Express. I thought it was supposed to be best in class in car companies. But why is it underperforming its peers so badly since the regional bank fiasco? I keep hearing the typical AXP cardholder is insulated from high inflation and recession. I even heard white-collar workers that are being laid off by the thousands of receiving severance packages. This should translate into continued spending and a lower rate of delinquencies. But if I know all this, then Wall Street certainly does. So is this the fair value of the stock, or will it go back over 170? Thank you. Zach, maybe the chart is wrong. Maybe the stock is not following the fundamentals because the fundamentals are darn good. Steve Squeery is going to deliver. If people like Capital One, they should love American Express. AXP, memo to Lisa, enough. The points go to me this month. Raymond in New York. Raymond. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Hope all is well. What's going on with you, Raymond? 
Uh, just uh, giving you a call to talk about the recent price decline of the Nike stock. It was around 128 a share, right? Yeah. And in the last few weeks, it's dropped to 117. Today, it's up about 1.62% at $118.87, but going nowhere fast, even though their last quarter results were good. So I understand that Nike's whale activity is within a strike price range of about 80 bucks to $135 in the last 30 days. All right. So what do they know that we don't know? Is okay, Nike everybody's worried there? about the China middle class stopping its buying. There is some truth to that. China has not had strong middle class buying ever since the end of the pandemic. I think it's because they're going to catch up. But the Alibaba numbers today weren't that good. My suggestion is Nike went up $1.89 today. Do not buy it until it gives back down to 115, 113. I can't be that bullish after the Baba numbers I saw and some of the middle class numbers that I've been reading out of China. The charts as interpreted by Larry Williams suggest the border market is indeed ready to roll. And Tesla could be one of the leaders in the upside. Much more man might ahead. You called and you stumped me on Viking Therapeutics. So could this be a stock that could ride the wave that Larry Williams just pointed out? It's exciting. I'm turning my homework on the biotech name. Then I'm always telling you about the channel. So why is it more important than ever to pay attention to this corner of retail that is very dreaded, kind of like a riptide? I'm revealing a few names that I think could capitalize on this unique moment. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. I take your phone calls because I don't just want to do a show about stocks I'm interested in. I also need to know what you're interested in. Usually I can answer your questions, but sometimes I get stumped, at which point I take some time, do the homework, and then come back to you with a more considered response. Which brings me to a company called Viking Therapeutics. Three weeks ago, Jamie in Michigan called to ask about Viking. It's a clinical stage biotech company back when the stock was just trading at a little bit under 20 bucks. Now, this is an intriguing story that Jamie has brought its attention to. You know why? Because Viking Therapeutics is all about developing novel treatments for metabolic and endocrine disorders. They've currently got four drug candidates that are in phase one or two clinical trials for a range of indications. Viking's lead drug is currently in a phase 2B study for the treatment of non-alcoholic steatep 2 hepatitis. That's also known as NASH for short. That's an acronym. And this is a rare form of fatty liver disease that you don't get from drinking. It causes inflammation of the liver followed by liver damage, something that's extremely dangerous. At the same time, Vikings got a potential obesity drug that just completed phase one testing. I know that's early. And another phase one compound that treats XALD. That's a rare genetic disorder that affects the nervous system and the adrenal glands. Put it all together, and I think you got a pretty darn decent sounding pipeline. Now, Viking Therapeutics has been around for several years at this point. It came public back in 2015, which was a peak IPO year similar to 2021. Initially, the stock didn't do much, aside from a big rally in 2018, followed by a quick pullback. Since then, Viking had been drifting steadily lower until getting absolutely crushed 
when Wall Street turned against all the early stage growth plays in late 2021, with biotech especially out of favor. As the whole group got bent, spindled, and mutilated, Viking Therapeutics saw its stock plunge to the low single digits. The darn thing was trading at just over two bucks at the bottom in June of last year. At those levels, it was too small for us to even mention on air. Since then, though, the stock has come roaring back thanks to a trio of powerful catalysts we've got to go into. Yep, over the past five months, Viking Therapeutics has worked from around $4 to $23. Look at this, right? And the stock's up nearly 500% in the last five months, including nearly 150% gain year to date. It's just been a horse. What's changed? Okay, aside from the fact that Wall Street became more hospitable to growth stocks as we realized that the Fed was almost done raising interest rates, I still think that's the case, three major things happened. First, in December, another company called Magical Pharmaceutical announced phase three results from its own NASH treatment, remember that's that liver problem, which had a similar mechanism to Viking's lead drug candidate. This was widely seen as a validation of Viking's approach which is why the stock soared 74% on the day we got the news. By the way, Magical's drug just got breakthrough drug designation from the FDA last month, and their future is looking incredibly bright. Second catalyst in late March, Viking announced positive phase one results for its obesity drug. Although it was a very small study, only 20 people, there were some incredible weight loss results for the people who got the real pill, not the placebo. Good safety data, too. These results were so positive, they helped Viking do a successful secondary offering, raising $287.5 million at $14.50 per share. In retrospect, that was certainly worth going in on. I'm excited about their weight loss pill because it's the same class of drug as the revolutionary diabetes and weight loss treatments from Kramer Club fave Eli Lilly and also Novo Nordisk. Even if Viking can only get a small piece of the pie here, we're talking about an enormous pie. No wonder the stock jumped 69% in response. That's another ridiculous single-session move. The third big positive catalyst came just this week. On Tuesday morning, Viking announced some tremendous phase two data for their lead drug, the one for liver disease. People who got the lowest dose saw a median reduction in liver fat of 38%, while people who got the highest dose saw a median reduction of 55%. Of those who got the highest dose, 85% of them saw at least a 30% drop in liver fat. That's sensational. But the most positive thing about these results is that Viking's liver drug had substantially better efficacy than Magical's liver drug, the one we just talked about a minute ago. I'm honestly surprised the Vikings are only up 12% on the news, and since then, the stock's even given back more than half of those gains. But there's a reason the market turned against biotech this week. The Federal Trade Commission, in its wisdom, is trying to block Amgen's acquisition of Horizon Therapeutics, which in theory makes the whole biotech space valuable much less valuable, given the potential takeovers are a major reason people buy these stocks to begin with. I think the FTC is going off its rocker. We need good, solid companies like Amgen to buy and fund the horizons of the world. This is about health care, not profits, for heaven's sake. So what do we do with Viking Therapeutics here? Well, as much as I like the fundamentals, we're definitely late to the party. Stock's up nearly 500% since mid-December. I wish I had recommended it when Jamie in Michigan asked a few weeks ago, as it's up over 16% since then. But you know what? You could have said that about any point in the last six months. Then again, even after this move, Viking isn't that big with the $2.3 billion market capitalization, which includes $400 million in cash in for recent secondary. To put that in perspective, rival Magical's farm is valued at more than $5 billion. I think this one's better. While Magical's drug is closer to the market, Viking's drug looks a lot more effective, and they've got more going on in the rest of their pipeline. Plus, even though the FTC indeed does want to block Amgen's Horizon Therapeutics takeover, that's a big $28 billion deal. I don't think that has that much impact on smaller biotech deals. Uh, they're still natural takeover targets for big pharma companies. They need to fill their own pipelines. 
That's especially true for Viking, given that they're working on that same kind of obesity drug that's gotten everybody so excited about Lilly and Novo Nordisk. If you're running a big pharma company that's missed out on the class of drugs, throwing a fistful of dollars to snap up Viking, I don't know, seems like a no-brainer to me. Bottom line, even though Viking Therapeutics has already had an insane run, That's because the company's gotten some insanely good news in recent months. So you have indeed my blessing to... Buy, buy, buy! But only for speculation, please. Ideally, you should wait for the stock to get dragged down by a market-wide pullback before you pull the trigger. I just don't know if you're going to get one. Mad Money is back after the break. Coming up. What's in your mind, Kramerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Congrats, Mark. Another statement. Say goodbye. Bye. 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 And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Kramer says, let's start with Dave in New York. Dave. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Thanks very much for taking my call. Of course. What's uh, up, Dave? I was just, yeah, I was wondering uh, what you thought about Pfizer right now. I am a little concerned. I mean, you have an FTC that's going wild, I think. Pfizer's got a good yield, 4.5%, but I don't buy drug stocks out for yield. I buy them for growth, and that's why the club likes Eli Lilly. Let's go to Steve in Florida. Steve. Booyah, King Jim. King Jim, nice. I'll take it. What's up? Jim, I have Rivian stock that I bought as a near IPO price, and I'm wondering, should I either hold... Or should I treat it like an old thick cow and take it behind the barn and get rid of it? <laughs> Which stock is that? That's a kind of a radical solution. Oh, all right. So here's the problem. I don't recommend stocks that are losing money on mad money because I don't want people losing money. So the answer is, let's go to Aaron in Illinois. Aaron. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I own shares in EVRI of Reholdings and wanted to know your thoughts on the company oh, look, and if e- I should Ebree add. is good. I'm sorry to interrupt. Ebree's good, but DraftKings has got a moment here in the, t- the 23 to 25 area that I think is better than your situation. That's what you want to go with. Let's go to Michael in Tennessee. Michael. Hey, Jim. Um, my question is on Global Foundries. GFS. All right. Look, I like Doc. I like Tom Caulfield very much. I think he does a very good job. But when it comes to capital, semiconductor capital equipment, the king is Lamb Research, LRCX. That's the only game in town as far as I'm concerned. Second would be applied materials. Only third when I put global factors. Let's go to Leo in Florida. Leo. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, I'd Leo. Like to thank you. I'd like to thank you and your staff for giving us the tools to make money in the market. Oh, you're terrific. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When the when the pandemic was winding down and the lockdown was ending, you said that this company should do well as the market recovers. I bought this stock in June, last June, for under $60. It's doubled since then. And my question is, what do I do with it now? Should I ring the register? Is this company worth hanging on to? Does it have a little ways more to go? My company is Builder's First Choice. Okay, first, I want to congratulate you on that, but second, tomorrow, tomorrow sell, you're going to cut that position in half. You're going to play with the house's money. No one's ever lost with house money. Why? I didn't like the Home Depot flooring numbers. I'm worried about Lowe's. I think you take the profit and run and 
Congratulations. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. The trucks are here. The merchandise we've been waiting for has arrived. Hundreds of trucks pulling right up to Ollie's Bargain Outlet, full of excess inventory that's ready to be priced down to unbelievably low levels. I'm talking about the long-awaited closeout merchandise from Bed Bath & Beyond, which has unceremoniously arrived at the vast dumping grounds called Ollie's. So unless you're a member of the illustrious Ollie's Army, as I am, you may not even know the bargains are almost upon us. Ollie's gets all the goodies no one else can move. I love it. Retail's a funny thing. Goods are hot until they're not. Stores are strong until they're weak. And when cold goods are languishing at weak stores, that merchandise goes somewhere else. It might be TGX with its network of 21,000 vendors offloading their unwanted inventory. It might be Ollie's. It might be raw stores. These places are the kiss of death for many brands. If you've seen too much of their stuff at a TJ Maxx, you know something's wrong. It's why I'm obsessed with the TJ Maxx down the block from me at work. It's why I check my weekly Ollie's flyer religiously. You can't traffic in retail unless you know the channel, which, like in any industry, is that vast dumping ground that anything that stores have too much of gets dumped into. Whether we're talking chips for PCs or cheap T-shirts from Gildan, oh my, seeing the Gildan inventory brimming at Ollie's, I wouldn't touch that $29 stock with a 10-foot pole. The Ollie's flyers are flooded with this stuff. This week's incredibly important for retail, especially when it comes to knowing about excess merchandise, because excess merchandise is the key to owning a stock like TJX a name we own for the Travel Trust, which you can follow by joining the CNBC Investing Club. For most retailers, excess inventory is the bane of their existence. But for these off-price chains, it's the exact opposite. Their problem is getting their hands on enough inventory that they can sell for bargain basement prices. The TJX conference call was so good yesterday, largely because management indicated they've got plenty of merchandise, although you couldn't tell that from the pants department, as there was nothing in a 33 or 34 when I checked yesterday. Had to go with 32, bit of a stretch for me. I would buy the stock of TGX here aggressively, as I told Investing Club members just the other day. Still, if you want to own anything retail, you need to keep an eye on Ollie's. It's why I told you ages ago to sell the stock of Newell before they cut the dividend. Simply because there was way too much of their product at Ollie's being sold for next to nothing. It's why I started being careful with Spectrum Brands. Ollie's held a George Foreman grill sale that freaked me out. I know this is pool season, so maybe I'm being a tad extra cautious, but I'd stay away from Pool Corp for now. Too many pool chemicals in the channel. But as a shopper, I go to TGX because management made it clear that they're taking market share thanks to everything they picked up from the closed Bed Bath & Beyond, the same inventory known as the Bed Bath buyout on the Ollie's Flyer. I learned from this stuff from my late dad, who sold boxes, bags, gift racks, scotch tape, you name it. He'd say, look out, that's football merchandise, the old-fashioned term for stuff in the channel, stuff nobody knew what to do with that was clearly headed for the dustbin. Football merchandise is dead merchandise. When you see it, you run from it. 
Pop always warned me about what merchandise was being footballed so I could short the stock of where it was sold when I was a hedge fund manager. Like when I bet against Gantos, an old woman's apparel chain that went bankrupt 30 years ago. One of the best shorts I ever had. I remember spending the day at Franklin Mills at Outlet Mall near Philly and seeing no one going into Gantos all day except from sightseers. But while football merchandise is terrible for the company that makes it or the stores that initially try to sell it, it's fabulous for off-price chains like TJX and Ollie's that thrive on closeouts. As you listen to retail conference calls, please keep in mind the closeouts and the channel. If you don't know this stuff, you might never know which stores are good and which stores are worth running from. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.